Uh, good morning. Guys, thank you for that warm greeting. You need a warm greeting on a Sunday morning. You need a warm greeting pretty much every day. As a principal now, when I greet my students in the hall, I'm giving them high fives, but they don't realize how much that means to me to receive from them that same greeting. Um, so yes, thank you. I've had the topic of time on my mind for a while. So last time I think I was up here, I talked about time and our seasons, the seasons of life that God calls us into, and then using our time appropriately for the season that God has placed us in. Guys, I've been on the topic of time because God is working on me in that area. And so that comes up again today. Yesterday, we had a funeral here um, for Brittany Delaney. And anytime you're at a funeral, as you are speaking about the person who has passed, we're also thinking about ourselves, right? We're thinking about, how much time do I have? And am I using my time or my life in a way that matters, right? That tells a story that I want to be told when I'm gone. So as my father was uh, giving the eulogy and as we were sitting through the whole um, service, I, that's what I was reflecting on. And my dad kind of made this connection to what are the memories that we are sowing to leave behind? And that just got me thinking. And so from that, I have the topic of how we spend our time, or actually, as I'm titling this message, spending, saving, and investing. Spending, saving, and investing. When you think about spending, spending has this idea of, I want to spend money on something that I want to consume now. Right? So I may spend it on a meal, and then I'm going to eat that meal. There may be some leftovers, but I'll eat them shortly thereafter. They won't last too long. Right? You're not going to hold on to those leftovers for a couple of years. And then saving has this idea of putting money into a holding place for a time to be used and consumed for something soon. Um, and then investing has this idea of putting our money into a use to achieve an increase later. I have other definitions also that I may use, but just as we open with that, um, I want to pray, and then we'll begin. Father, thank you so much, Lord, for the life that you have given us. I think there are some um, times for ourselves and definitely in our world for us to see life as something that we are purchasing, but really it is a gift that you have given. And in that gift, Lord, how we use it really affects, Lord, the life that we may continue to enjoy, either with you or apart from you. So, Lord, thank you for the gift of life that you have given us that we enjoy in this present moment. Lord, even while for different ones of us that, that present experience of life maybe have tinges of pain, tinges of joy, Lord, thank you for the gift of life and show us then how to walk with that. What do we do with the one life that you've given us, that passes moment by moment. 
Lord, teach us to hold it in such a way, Lord, that we invest it in your kingdom in a way that is glorifying to you. And Lord, that is the fullness of what you have placed us on this earth for and given us indeed this gift of life for. Help me, Lord, you know where um, I need you to speak this word into my own soul and into my own heart. Lord, I don't want to walk out from this message, Lord, the same. We want to be changed. Lord, because of what you are saying. So would you speak and help also to uh, wrap this, Lord, to the point that when we walk out, Lord, we should take with us in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Recently, I was telling Abby about a game that we used to love playing on the, on the computer growing up. I don't know about you guys, but uh, we had um, some games that we loved to play, and we had old computers. So we had an old Mac. I can't even remember what, what number that it was, but it was one with the little floppy disk, and the screen was green and black. Anybody had uh, one of those? Okay, I see a couple of folks who had got to enjoy the pleasures of those devices. Well... On ours, we had this lemonade stand game. And we, it was one of our favorite ones to play as boys growing up. You set up, okay, how many players are in the game? And I, at that time, grew up with my three brothers, so we set three players. And Justin, who's a year and a half older than myself, and, and Ethan, who's like five years younger, were competing with one another. And how it goes, you just, okay, everybody starts off with the same amount of money. Maybe your parents give you $5. And you get to choose then how much of that you will spend on your lemonade mix and whatever you need to spend maybe on cups. You set up your stand. It also tells you, hey, look, here's what the weather forecast is for this week. So at the beginning of the week in the game, you're making all these decisions based on the weather and based on the money that you have. And everybody starts off with the same amount. And then by the end of this first week, everybody sees how they did. You get to set your own prices as well. So somebody can be very ambitious, which usually my younger brother at that young age thought, yeah, why charge only 25 cents for a cup of lemonade if you can charge a whole dollar? So I'm going to charge a whole dollar. But how many customers does a dollar lemonade uh, attract as opposed to a 25 cents for lemonade? So then uh, he quickly learned that that was not necessarily the best strategy. But over time, as you play the game and you reiterate after every single week, you're amassing money. Now that $5 has been turned into $30, $50. And I'm just going, oh man, I'm super rich. And if only this was in real life, Lord, you could just, this would be a blessing. And all of a sudden, like the choices in the game get bigger and bigger, right? You're looking at a week, you're seeing a forecast and you're thinking, okay, what are my options here? You can set up more than one lemonade stand. Oh, I can take over a couple of corners, maybe even three or four corners. Okay. And then where do I post my signs? What signs do I purchase? How much does a sign cost? What's the cost benefit of buying more signs as opposed to buying more lemonade mix so that I can then make more lemonade and make more money? All kinds of decisions. And we're competing with one another and seeing, okay, is my strategy going to play out this time? And you, you put in all your options. And then the little sound plays, and then, bring, like the next day comes up, and it goes, here's what you did this week. Actually, yeah, the next week comes up. It was a fun game. And that game was not only fun, but it was also teaching us. It was teaching us the value of taking what you have and then figuring out what is the wisest use for it to make an increase later. Also, it was teaching us, hey, 
there's temporary focus with your money, and then there's a longer-term focus with your resources. Um, it was a helpful game to play. And so I think my parents really enjoyed watching us play it, thinking they're having a whole lot of fun, but they're also hopefully drawing some economic lessons from this that they will apply, hopefully, in their future, which I think well, we were able to apply some of those. So with that in mind, though, money has and value has an, a very close grip on us. Right? We take our money very personally. And I want to think about this statement where we often say time is money. And different people may criticize that statement and go, time is not money. They're not equal, right? You can exchange money for time. Can you, where can you buy time with money? You can't really. You can exchange time for money. I'll, I'll work this number of hours for this much money. But it doesn't go the other way, right? We can't put in money to get time. But I want to think about time being money in a different way in the sense that time is something that we spend. It is a currency. And we get one chance to spend any given moment. And with that thought, we come into our first point, which is spending. Spending. So spending, as defined by Investopedia, consumer spending is the amount of money spent on consumption goods in an economy. So I'm going to Stick with that thought. I like the idea behind that. So consumer spending is the amount of money I spend on consuming goods in an economy. So as I said earlier, I go to a restaurant and I spend some money and then they give me some food and I consume that in the moment. I was watching an old video on YouTube where these guys were, um, it was at the time when credit, credit cards were becoming much more common and Burger King, for the first time, was allowing people to buy food with a credit card. And folks were there going, I think it's really sad that people should need to use a credit card to, to buy a burger. You know, this makes no sense. And also, how long is that going to take when they're going to have to call up New York and find out then is the money in the account and then get back to the... This is just a waste of time. I hope it doesn't take too much time when we are purchasing our food at Burger King. Interesting how controversial that that was evidently at the time. But we spend to consume something in a moment. We can also spend on consuming something over a long period of time. Parents in the room, you may rent or buy a house, right? And so that money spent is for a place to live for an amount of time. We're consuming that, that, um, that good. Spending what I have now for something that I want now or presently. How does this relate to time? Spending time, and I want to start to think about when I say time, I want you to also be thinking about life. Because that's what time is, right? My life is measured in those times. So how does this idea of spending, spending for consuming something now, relate to time. Well, it made me think about a man named Samson. In Judges 14, we start to learn some things about how Samson makes choices for his life. Before Samson was born, God said, look, he's going to be uh, born for this purpose, right? And so his parents are given some instructions about how to raise him. He has this Nazarite vow on him. 
But Samson has his own choices about what he does with his life. And in Judges 14, verses 1 through 3, it says this, Samson went down to Timnath and saw a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. And he came up and told his father and his mother and said, I have seen a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. Now, therefore, get her for me to wife. And look at his focus. He has his life and this time in his life, and he wants to spend it for something. There's something he wants from that moment. It says, then his father and his mother said unto him, is there never a woman among the daughters of thy brethren or among all, the, all my people that thou goest to take a wife of the uncircumcised Philistines? And listen to Samson's answer. It says, and Samson said unto his father, get her for me, for she pleaseth me well. That's really interesting and also a little bit problematic that he sees her as a product that pleases him well. But I want to draw us to the idea of what pleases you well. What attracts our eye? What attracts my attention with my time and with my life that I go, that's the thing that I want that pleases me well, that I want to consume now or presently. We are spending our lives for such things. This seems to be kind of a, a trend in Samson's life that his focus is on the moment. Right? God has called him for a kingdom purpose for the nation of Israel. But Samson's mind seems to continually be drawn down to whatever he needs in the moment. Look later in Judges chapter 14. When his father does go down to get the woman, it says in verse 10, starting at verse 10, And Samson made there a feast, for so used the young men to do. So, about to get married. It's time to party and let everybody know, hey, this is a time of celebration. So he makes there a feast. And, it's, and it came to pass when they saw him that they brought 30 companions to be with him. So this is a group gathered for the party. And Samson said unto them, I will now put forth a riddle unto you. So he's got a question and he's going to see if they can figure it out. If ye can certainly declare it me within seven days of the feast and find it out, then I will give you 30 sheets and 30 changes of garments. It's a lot of value. But if ye cannot declare it me, then shall ye give me, and notice the kind of exchange that he's looking for, 30 sheets and 30 changes of garments. And they said to him, put forth thy riddle that we may hear it. There's the deal made for this riddle. And if you know the story, doesn't really turn out good for Samson, and it also doesn't really turn out good for those dudes. Um, but with that, what's the whole purpose of that whole interaction? Samson had an opportunity to celebrate as he's headed into his, his marriage and his wedding, and he goes, I think of a riddle where it's going to get me some extra resources, some things that I want to consume. He is spending himself for that. He is spending his life and that time for that value. And it's interesting that in all of these interactions, we don't see or hear from Samson this idea of, what was I born for? Why did God send me here? He is minded on the things that he wants to consume in the moment. It continues to be true through his life. Judges 16, 15 and 19 says, when the, the story we remember most for Samson, right? Delilah says, how canst thou say, I love thee, when thine heart is not with me? So she's been bugging him for a long time to try to figure out where the secret of his strength is. And he hasn't told her. 
He's held on to that one. He hasn't passed that one up. That's something that he's held on to. He hasn't wanted to tell her. But then, she says, Thou hast mocked me these three times, and hast not told me wherein thy great strength lieth. Now, he knows. It's in his hair. But not just that, that God has given him this strength. And he's being invited to exchange. To exchange life for something. So it says, It came to pass when she pressed him daily with her words and urged him, so that his soul was vexed unto death. I think we pass over that a little bit fast. His soul was vexed unto death. It was a little bit hard for him to continue to resist giving what he should not have given. His soul was vexed unto death that he told her all his heart and said unto her, There hath not come a razor upon mine head. Think of how sad this is. That what he was given, the strength that he was given and the calling upon his life, he is in this moment giving up. He's exchanging life for something in the moment. He says, there's not come a razor on mine head, for I have been a Nazarite unto God from my mother's womb. If it be shaven, if I be shaven, then my strength will go from me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. And when Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, he's exchanged something of his heart. When we exchange our time, and when we exchange our value, and when we exchange our life, we are giving something of our heart. And I think this is also why the Bible says to guard our hearts. With diligence. She sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up this once, for he hath showed me all his heart. She sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm repeating that again. Then the lords of the Philistines came up unto her and brought money in their hand. And she made him sleep upon her knees. And she called for a man, and she caused him to shave off the seven locks of his head. And she began to afflict him, and his strength went from him. What a sad exchange. But it's a trend for him of sacrificing something. And is it, I have to say and admit for myself, it can be a trend for me to sacrifice something for not good value. To sacrifice portions of my life. To sacrifice what God has given into me to hold on to or to invest And I'm sacrificing it for something to be consumed in a moment. It's not just Samson. It makes me think about Esau. Genesis 25. We know the story. Esau comes back. He's real tired. He's really hungry. And in a moment, the things that he was given, the birthright that he was given, The covenant going with that birthright. The inheritance of a kingdom that God had promised to his father and to his father's father. In a moment of hunger, this is what he says. He says, behold, I am at the point to die. And what profit shall this birthright do to me? And before we judge him too quickly, what's the birthright that we have been given? Have we been given a birthright and a covenant from our God? And is it valuable? What profit shall this birthright do to me? 
And Jacob said, Swear to me this day. And he sware unto him. And he sold him his birthright unto Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils. And he did eat and drink. And rose up and went his way. And then it adds this last point. Thus Esau despised his birthright. In a moment and in a time, he spent something he can never get back. That's really sad. But like Samson and Esau, are we tempted to spend our life on consumables? There are times where we're hungry. There are times where we are tired. There are times where we are oppressed, kind of as Samson was just nagged at and nagged at and nagged at. There are times where we sit in need. Esau was hungry. And in those moments, we are offered choices. And we can spend our life on something to be consumed in a moment or in a present time. I think it's a good, good thing to consider, what will I spend my moments on? We are given only one moment at a time. And once it's gone, it's gone. What will we spend our moments on? Spending is a temporal focus, and its object is to spend my life in the moment to consume a desire in a moment. But let's go on to this next idea of saving. Continuing to think about life and time as a currency so we can take our money and we can save it. Can we take our time and save it? So let's consider this idea of saving. Again, according to Investopedia, people save money for both purchases in and in case of emergencies. Saving is an essential part of personal finance that involves setting aside money for future use. And it says, think of it, think of it as putting your money in a piggy bank. But instead of an actual piggy bank, you can use a savings account, certificate of deposit that earns a little bit of interest over time. You can save for different reasons, such as buying a new gadget, going on a vacation, having an emergency fund, or for unexpected expenses, saving is an excellent way to meet short-term financial goals. And this idea of short-term is really fixed to this idea of savings, that the difference between savings and other, like investing, is that savings is a short-term thing. I'm going to put this away for now. It's going to stay in this holding place, and then I'm going to use that later. So short-term. By putting aside money regularly, you can build up a cushion that can help you weather tough times. Savings are generally low risk, meaning your money is safe, but the interest rates received are also low. The interest rates received are also low. The return on that, putting that money away for the time, is also low. There's a lot of places we can go with that definition as we apply it to life, and as we apply it to our time. But I think it's important to ask a, another question. The idea behind saving is that I'm storing something so I can use it later. Can we store up time? Not at all. I heard somebody put it this way. You want to try to store up your time to save it for a later point at the end of the year? That's what they call crazy, and they'll take you away for that one. We can't store time. 
it's constantly passing. So this idea of saving time is really also a false idea. There's no box where I can stuff in my time or a suitcase where I can stuff in my time to then open it up later and go, look at all this time that I've just stored up and I'll just put it right out here. Here we go. It doesn't happen that way. We only get the moment that we're in. This one's hard for me because I think it's one of the ways in which I tend to operate. It's also how I tend to operate with my money. Um, so when you talk about the different um, pitfalls that people can fall into with spending, saving, and investing, and we need to do some form of all three with the money that we have, right? But there's a portion of our money that when we get it, we should spend it, and we should set that as a certain amount of our budget, and then a certain por portion of our money that we should save and set aside so that we can use it and have it for emergencies and other things. And then there's a certain portion of our money that we should invest so that when we're done with our earning years, then we can have it at that time. And in my own life, my tendency is to just go towards shoving money into different crevices that I can find it later on. Oh, look, in this bank account, I suddenly have this money that I forgot I had. And that's how I tend to operate. So investing is not necessarily my strength. Although I know the importance of investing, it tends to be that I just shove it aside in different accounts and then just kind of let it sit there. But we can't do that with time. There's no place we can put it. James 4, verses 13 and 14, puts it this way. He says, Go to now, ye that say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain, whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? And here's where he's getting at this idea of the fact that we can't really save life. We can't really save time. What is your life? It is even a, a vapor that appeareth for a little time, and then vanisheth away. There's no storing that up. It comes and it goes. So then what do we mean when we say that we're saving time? If we can't truly save it, what do we mean? I think that a part of what we mean is that we don't want to spend more time or more life on something that we would prefer not to spend it on. So we have chores. And in my house, I wash dishes. And in my mind, I go, I don't want to spend all my time on this, so I'll, I'll put off washing dishes so that I can spend my time on other things. Or I can go into the washing of the dishes and go, I'm going to go really, really fast. And if I go fast enough, I've saved time. Isn't that a part of what we mean when we say we're saving time, right? I'm going to do this quickly, save that time that's later on after it for something that I want. Okay. But again, that with that, I think that fits in with the definition of saving as for short-term purposes. I'm going to put aside, I'm going to squeeze this into this amount of time. I'm going to wash this in 10 minutes as opposed to half an hour if you're Kelvin Todd so that I can have those other 20 minutes for whatever else I want to do with those 20 minutes. Or I'm going to press my 40-hour work week where I'm paid a salary and I could take some of this work home. Well, I'm going to squeeze all this work that I need to do into the, that eight-hour day as much as possible so it doesn't spill over after my work time on the clock and present in the office so that when I get home, I don't have to do that work at home. That sort of a thing. I want to press this activity that I would rather not spend my life on so that I can save the time that comes after. 
And that's wise. I think that's what we mean when we're talking about saving time. So then the question really also then draws us into we're constantly spending even when we're saving time. There is nothing that we can do with time to hold on to it, so we will either spend it in the moment or we will invest it, but we're still spending it. Um, it makes me also um, think about will we spend it on heavenly things or on earthly things? You kind of probably knew that this was a part of where this was going. Matthew six nineteen to 34 started to stand out to me in a different way when I started to think about this idea of what we spend our life on. So let's turn there. Matthew 6, verse 19 to 34. It's a familiar passage, and we may skip different portions as we move into it. Matthew 6, 19. Jesus is talking here. This is on his Sermon on the Mount. And he says this idea thinking about life as value, thinking about life as currency, thinking about time as currency, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt. This would be the pitfall that Samson and Esau and that we fall into at times. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures where? In heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Continuing on down to verse 24, then he attaches this to this idea of no man can serve two masters. And here how, here's how I began to think of this passage. I'll read it first, and then I'll also just kind of share. He says, no man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And what's interesting to me there is he's assuming that we're always going to have a master. He's assuming that we're always going to be serving something or serving for something, and that's what we do with our time, isn't it? We're either serving for something here or we're serving for something eternal. I'm going to cling to one or the other. He says, therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on. Is not the life more? Isn't its value more? Is not the life more? More than meat and the body than raiment. Behold the fowls of the air. They don't sow. They don't reap. Your father feeds them. God takes care of them. That's a beautiful thing. And he says, are ye not much better than they? When you think about Esau, when you think about Samson, and when you think about the temptations that come to us, we're often drawn down to be consumed with, what am I going to have in this moment? that I need to be consuming now. And we can spend our lives on that. And what Jesus is saying is, stop taking thought and careful thought and this anxiety and this anxiousness for this. And he says, instead, I want you to start to pursue something else. He says, take therefore, verse 31, he says, therefore, take no thought, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father 
knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But he gives us a different thing to seek. He says, but seek what? First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things. And all these things shall be added unto you. I think there's a, oftentimes a dismissal of Christ's call for us to seek the kingdom. And people go, well, if you keep doing that, you'll never have what you need here. But what Jesus has said is, if you seek first the kingdom, your father knows what you have need of. That's taken care of. It fits into what he's doing in eternity. Let's say that again, because I don't want us to miss that. When we seek his kingdom, this stuff fits into what he is doing. It's not lost. It's not purposeless. But it isn't the point. The point is the kingdom. All of this should be for a higher purpose. So with that in mind, let's move to this idea of investing. So investing, according to Investopedia, is a way to grow your money, is a way to grow. A way to grow your money over time by putting it to work in financial instruments such as stocks, bonds, mutual funds, and other, you can put it into a business. Unlike saving, investing involves taking on some risk. Investing involves taking on some risk. But it also has the potential to earn higher returns over the long term. Investing is a way to reach long-term financial goals, such as saving for college or a down payment on a house or retirement because investing involves taking on some risk, it is essential to choose investments that align with your goals, that align with your risk tolerance, that align with your time horizon. In general, the longer you can invest, the longer you can invest. In general, the longer you can invest, the more risk you can take on because you have more time to ride out the ups and the downs. There's a lot there that we could talk about in this term, investing. But again, I'm not wanting to think of investing in a money sense. I want us to think about that concept when it comes to our time and our life as something that is a currency that we get to spend. Investing is a way to grow your money or to grow your value over time by putting it to work. How beautiful that is. This reminds me of the passage that we began with. John chapter 12, verse 23 to 28. Let's turn there again just to refresh ourselves with what that involves. So John chapter 12, Jesus says, and as he's approaching this time where he's going to go to the cross, he says, the hour is come that the son of man should be glorified. He's about to be glorified. That's a good thing. That's a lot of value. But then what is he saying is going on in the moment, right? Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die. 
it abides alone. This would be like taking your money and just doing what Kelvin Todd sometimes does and just let's shove it into different corners and crannies where I can find it later. It sits there, and it's the same money that I just crammed into whatever crevice or corner that that was. It abides alone. It's not doing anything. We can do this with our life in a way that we cram it into corners here and there for ourselves, and it's not doing anything. He says it abides alone, but if it dies, what does it do? What does it do, everyone? It brings forth much fruit, grows over time. That's what investing is. And when we die, in this sense that Christ is talking about here, there is a return as it grows over time. He that loveth his life, loves what he has in this moment, he's going to lose it. That's what Jesus says. He says, and he that hates his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me, and where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. This value that grows over time to the honor of God and to the glory of God. And Jesus says, now is my soul troubled. And I like it for us to think about that in kind of the sense that Samson was troubled. Kind of in the sense that Esau was troubled. There's a need that you have in the moment. Samson had a desire. Esau had a hunger. And Christ has a pain that he's about to face. And it doesn't feel good. Now is my soul troubled? And what shall I say, Father, save me from this hour? Am I going to ask God to save me from this moment that I'm about to put my life in the ground and die? Should I ask God to spare me from that moment that's going to cost a lot? There is risk when it comes to investing, isn't there? And there's the temptation to be, want to be rescued from that cost. Isn't that what happens when, say for myself, I'm coming home from work and the workday has been long and kids have been in my face and all these things have been going on and I've got these situations to figure out and the temptation for me in that moment is to go, I just want to escape from all of that. I want to decompress and take care of me. Now, I don't have any children, so I don't even have that, that, that added opportunity and burden to bear. But right, if I operate in that mindset, I can end up neglecting my wife, which is my calling before God to serve and sacrifice myself for her. And so that's a temptation that I face where there's a sense of, well, Lord, I'm a bit troubled right now, and I'd rather not lay down my life in this moment. I'd rather... Do something that takes care of me, that feels good for me in the moment. And that's a temptation that I'm wrestling against, right? Is, or do we wrestle against such temptations? So for Christ, he says here, my soul is troubled. And what should I say? God, save me from this moment? And this is where I don't want us to pass over the temptation that Esau felt, the temptation that Samson felt, and also the temptation that Satan wanted to bring to Christ here. It can be a very difficult burden to bear and a very difficult road to walk. But Christ says, I'm not about to ask God to save me from this hour, 
but for this cause came I unto this hour. In other words, I was given this life for this moment. I was supposed to sow my life in this moment to die for a greater benefit. And not a greater benefit just for him, but for a greater benefit for many. Father, glorify thy name. Is God glorified as we lay ourselves down? Is God glorified as we invest ourselves for his kingdom? This is, I think, the point that God is drawing us to. This is what I was pondering as I was sitting there at the funeral and thinking about myself, what am I spending or investing my life on? Is there a value that should come from this? Or as my dad put it, what are the memories that I'm leaving behind that are really then going to bear fruit? What are those memories teaching others? What are they telling others? What is it also doing for the kingdom of God? There's a lot of ways that we can invest our, our, our life. I think about it in this way. Whenever we want to invest money, we usually need to set up an, what they call an investment account. And there's lots of different kinds of investment accounts. And there's a lot of things that we can put that money and value into as it goes to work to bring out value later. But we need an investment account to do it. Now, God gives us some that are just kind of natural on this earth. If I can invest my time and my life in the children that God has given me, that can go on after me. And that's a valuable thing. In the people that God has placed in my midst, that can go on after me. Earthly people, without any, all of us as earthly people, and people who don't even walk with God can have that exchange and invest for the future. But it, what has to happen is it's got to go beyond that to an eternal purpose if it's ever going to truly last. Paul said it this way to his people. He said, I would, I'm gladly going to spend and be spent for you. There's an investing of himself in the ministry. How do we invest ourselves in a moment for a payout in eternity? One thing that I will say that God is challenging me on is that sometimes, because I operate in a savings mentality, when I'm in a moment where I don't know really what I should do, have you ever been in a moment where it's like, I don't really feel like I have a function at this time? This location, this situation that I'm in, I don't see my job and my responsibility. Um, I can end up in moments like that sometimes. Where I was like, I'd rather be somewhere else. But if God has placed me in that moment, that means that I have a purpose at that given time where I want to check out and I just want to maybe pull out my phone and just kind of veg for a little while because there's no purpose for me in this interaction. But if I see life as something to be invested, that that moment was for a specific purpose, I should look around and see the opportunities that God has placed in my midst in that moment. That stranger that's in my face, that child that's in my face where I go, I really don't know how to communicate with you, and you seem like you don't know how to communicate with me. Eh, we should, hmm. Um, so, like, we can sacrifice what God specifically meant for a kingdom purpose. Let's not miss that. But always drawing ourselves up to investing our lives for his kingdom purpose. There's another passage that I'm mindful of and that I'll, 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 I'll end with. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 
he talks about our works or what we do with our life and the foundation that God has given us for this life. He says, now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work, or you could put in there kind of every man's life, shall be, shall declare, sorry, shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire. So there's this fire that's going to go on everything that we've done in our life. And it's going to try it and see if this is something that is not going to last or if it is something that is eternal. God's going to do that. Tried for whatever sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive. He shall receive because he's invested. He shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. And this is interesting that even as a believer, I face this opportunity to exchange for earthly things or for heavenly things. I myself being saved can still throw my money, and throw my life away. Or I can keep it for life eternal. I can sow something that is going to last forever. What is God calling you to do with your life? We'll walk away from this moment into some different interactions. Will we invest ourselves into that moment in a way that dies to ourselves and in a way that pursues God's kingdom purpose? Whether I see the natural value or not and sow myself into that moment with energy so that God's kingdom can experience growth.